brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church in Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. Today's the last day of this new series that we've been going over on work. And uh, the next week we'll start into a whole new series. Today I want to finish it up with our perspective on work and the work and the gospel. So if you're a guest today, if this is something new to you and you're learning about our church and our culture, we're just regular people. We found a better way to live in Jesus and we're living that out as best as we can, honestly, and with uh, just trying to be real about our faith. No, no pretense, uh, no pomp and circumstance, just regular people. But um, this is a great Sunday for you because it'll show you how we view the world. This is, I'm calling it our story. This is a Christian story, but it's really the lens at which we view the whole world. And everybody has a lens or a filter on their life, right? Everybody has a perspective. And when you have kids, I mean, that's really becomes uh, clear in your mind that people have filters because kids often don't. And I'll never forget inviting a friend of ours over to the house one time. And, and so we were, it was a nice, um, sunny summer afternoon. And so we were all in the front yard kind of messing around. Our kids were little at the time. And, and our, our friends um, always struggled financially. And so they didn't have a lot. And, and they were struggling. And so uh, their, their family vehicle uh, was... Um, well, it was a terrible junker, okay? And so, anyway, that never bothered us, uh, not, never an issue, but they pulled up in front of our house, and my uh, son at the time, he was about four, I think, said to them, hey, what's wrong with your car? And, um, and instantly you have that parental panic. You're like, oh, no, what's he going to say? And uh, so my friend Steve, he said, well, what do you mean? He says, well, it's so ugly, and uh, so you see the kids don't really have filters or the time I was in grocery stores at Safeway and I'm just waiting in line with my groceries and there was a gal in front of me and a younger gal and she had a, a little girl in her, her uh, shopping cart and the little girl was facing me and so she looked up at me and she kept saying daddy, daddy, daddy which I thought was kind of funny and and so I said, I'm not your daddy, I'm not your daddy. And this young gal spun around, looked at me, and she said, she knows who her daddy is. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, sorry. But oftentimes, uh, people have a filter from which they view life, and they look at everything, and everything is affected by that. Everything is uh, Touched by that filter. So suppose you are uh, watching this scene and there's this guy standing at the bus stop. He's waiting for the bus and somebody walks up to him and says, or to you, and says, the name of the common wild duck is Hysteronicus, Hysteronicus, Hysteronicus. Now, there are a lot of ways to look at that, to view that, but it helps if you understand the story. For example, if the person has mental illness, 
then that explains the story, and you understand it. That's no problem. Or maybe they're a 49er fan, and so that explains it completely. And you know that's the problem. Maybe the backstory is the guy was at the library this week, and he just got out of the library and was, uh, had a conversation with a guy about this duck, and uh, then he, they, they lost track of each other. He saw him at the bus stop and, through mistaken identity, said it to the wrong person. And that would explain the story. Simple case of mistaken identity. Or perhaps he was a secret agent. And that he saw that person and thought that person was his contact. And so he was giving the secret code phrase. And that would explain the whole story. But you get the point. You don't understand what's being communicated unless you understand the story, unless you understand the backstory, which it's being communicated. So if it's a case of you know, simple mistaken identity, then it's no big deal. So if you call the cops, this crazy guy at the bus stop, is well, then you're going to look like the fool. Or if you give the wrong response to the secret agent, you could be killed or be caught up in his plot or something like that. You have to have the right answer to the right statement, to the right question. And the only way to do that is to have the understanding of the story. The story makes all the difference in the world. If you don't understand the story, you don't understand what's going on. And so that's how we view life. Many people don't understand the story or maybe don't understand how their own story is affecting them. And so they have all kinds of problems in life. They struggle. They have difficulties because of that story, that level of of ignorance. There are three components that make up a story. If you don't have all three, you don't have a story. So you can have two, and it's not a story. From a literary point of view, a story, every story has three components. One, it has an account of how life should be. Two, it has an explanation of how it got thrown out of balance, how it's wrong. And three, a proposed solution. Every story has those three components. So looking at the Christian story, it unfolds just like this. The Christian story is that God has a plan for the world. He created the world to be a certain way. And sin, the fall of man, came into the world, destroyed everything, ruined things, and that's created massive problems for us. And the solution is redemption and restoration through Jesus Christ. Now, that's what we call the gospel. So, there, you just learned a new word this morning. The gospel, what we refer to the gospel, is that story there that I just told you. Those three things, the creation... Man turning into, turning his heart to sin, and then redemption through Jesus Christ, which is the solution. Now, hang with me. This is the most unique story of its kind in all of the world. There was no other philosophy, religion, understanding that carries this same story. None. Christianity is completely unique in this. And if you, if you travel the world, if you go to other countries and other nations, you'll see that that so many things that are here in America are uniquely American and they don't exist in other parts of the world. And that's what I'm talking about. This story doesn't exist anywhere other than Christianity. 
For example, Christianity sees the created world as good. God created it, and then he said it was good. It's all good. And so then sin, sin in our case is the bad guy. Sin is the antagonist. Sin is the one that came in and destroyed everything and caused all the problem, not people. We don't see people as the problem. It's sin. And, of course, God, through, through Jesus Christ, he is the answer to all of our problems. Now, what happens when you change the story just slightly? So imagine this, all right? Change it, just alter it just a little bit, all right? The world is for the taking. The problem is a certain race of people. And genocide is the answer. Now that worldview, that point of view, that lens through which a person looked at the world, of course, is Adolf Hitler. This is how he viewed the world. And so his actions followed based upon that filter, how he saw the world, how he understood the world. Here's another one. Uh, The world was made for God. Infidels are the problem, and conversion or death, their death, is the solution. If you have that point of view, that perspective, that lens at which you look at every human being on the face of the earth, then you treat them according to that filter, right? Just like we do. Now, in our story... Sin is the problem, not people. In fact, the Apostle Paul goes even further to say that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, human beings. Human beings are not our problem. But we fight, we wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers, evil spirits in high places. Our enemy is the devil, and our fight is against sin, not people. Therefore, you look at people differently. You value people differently. You care about people themselves because, you see, they're not the problem. Sin is the problem. Sin is who we're after. The devil is who we hate, not people. Simply put, Christianity, that story, has the most hope of any story on the face of the earth. And when you view the problem as something other than people... It changes how you treat them. Take, for example, education. My wife is a school teacher, as many of you know, and in her school, and this may not be the case in every school, but it's true in a lot of schools, in her school, broken homes, divorce, the stress and insecurity that goes on at home between not having a mother and father and being raised by a grandparent and what have you, no sleep, inadequate nutrition, uh, rebellious kids, gangs, and street violence in the school and drugs in the school has all worked together to build and reinforce this sense of hopelessness in education, which translates to the students and the teachers, by the way, of what's the point? Why are we even doing this? Is it making any difference in the world? Why bother? But see, when you add the filter now of the gospel, the perspective on all of that changes immediately. And we now realize, okay, the kids are not the problem. The parents are not the problem. 
there's a different problem here, and now we have hope, which we can go about changing how we approach education. God is the answer. He is restoring the world through Jesus Christ, through redemption, and a Christian teacher brings that light into their environment. Immediately changing that classroom just by the very fact that they carry the gospel in their heart and they view those children now as precious, wonderful, created by God whom he loves, and they're valuable. Let me tell you, you look at a child as the problem or as something precious and wonderful, it changes your perspective on how you treat that child. Here's another example, the news of the day. How you read the so-called facts of the news is affected by your filter, right? Everybody has a filter when they read the news, you see the news differently. What if your story went something like this? The world is neither good nor bad, so it's neutral. There's no good or bad in the world. Man is the chief problem of the world. So all the problems in the world are caused by people. And the answer to all these problems is having the right people in charge. That's our story. That's our worldview. And then you have Hurricane Katrina. This massive hurricane takes place, and we interpret the event like this. Our filter says, the devastation was terrifying and extensive, and innocent people are now suffering The government is the problem. They were too slow to act. The engineers who built the levee are the problem because they failed in making a correct levee. Some people even said President Bush caused the hurricane. It's his fault. Some church leaders blamed God, which I think is ridiculous. God hated those people, and so he sent this hurricane to to trash them. And so the answer then is to vote for Democrats and or Republicans at the next election, get the right people in place. But when you look at it through the filter of the gospel, you come out with a completely different conclusion, different perspective. Some some Christians, I think, find it hard to understand these different perspectives out there And it it troubles them. For example, some of the things that you see in the entertainment world and the perspective, movies and music, modern expressions of art and video games. All of them are created with a story. A person who created those, who wrote that script, who created those video games or those movies had a personal story, a point of which they saw the world. And so when they make their art, that comes through. This is their understanding of the statement, the name of the common wild duck is Hysteronicus, Hysteronicus, Hysteronicus. This is how they understand it. Their story goes like this. The world is evil. Good people are the problem. And so evil people must conquer the good people And so when that's your story, you create things like Saw, Insidious, Gangster Rap, art exhibits that exploit and and uh, exhibit 
immorality and adultery as something good. Here's another example. Take, for example, the field of medicine. If your story is the world is scientific with predictable outcomes, sickness and disease are the problem in the world, then medicine and doctors are the answer. Science will help you. But if you treat people from this perspective, from this filter, you will always be treating their condition and ignoring everything else. In fact, they will train you, train you in med school to do that very thing because that's the filter they're using. But the gospel, looking at medicine from the gospel filter, it's different again. Because we know that God created human beings to have a body, yes, and he cares about our body. That's why our bodies will be restored and renewed and we'll have new bodies in heaven. But he also says that we have a soul and a spirit. And so a person has emotions. They have a spiritual side of their life. And if you ignore those two, then you may be treating the body and never ever finding a cure or solution. So many people go to their doctor and they're being treated for stuff that will never get better because it's being caused by the other two. Because we know that emotionally or spiritual problems can cause physical sickness. If you don't treat the whole man, then you'll be constantly going and never ever getting better. The concept of the whole person is lost. So, with all these different stories, and you have a story, and the gospel is our story. If you're a follower of Christ, that's our story, and that's how we see the world. Then, as a Christian, how do you live out that story on a day-to-day basis at work? So if you're a carpenter, does that mean that you uh, sing worship songs and pray for everybody as you're pounding the boards and serving communion to your fellow uh, construction workers? If you're a Christian salesman, do you have to reject all the products that don't represent Christianity and only sell Christian products? Or maybe you're a Christian video game designer and so you have to put in little Christian symbols and Christian concepts and all the games that you create or you're a Christian teacher and so you have to teach your students the Bible and your other teachers the Bible and always sharing your faith with everyone around you and praying for them and talking to them about Jesus or you're a Christian nurse and so you're praying for healing for every single patient that you meet. Now for some people doing some of that is exactly what you should be doing because the Holy Spirit is leading you to do that. But for most people, they should not. They should not be doing those things. You see, it's a lens at which we view the world. It's our story, how we interpret God's will. So we know how to live at work. Now think about this, if you're in the art world and you have music or, t- or videos or movies or what have you, your, your job, your work is to be in that industry. When you tap into the most creative person on the universe, how it changes what you can do at work. 
Or maybe you're a Christian nurse or doctor. How much more effective would you be at medicine if you were closely connected to the one who actually created the body and knows how it works? Ideas, not products, make millions. It's not a great product that makes money. It's the idea. The idea is worth millions, billions perhaps. Who has the best ideas? God does. So it's not just going to work and trying to live out your faith in all the Christian things that we do. It's making an integration of faith in work so that you see it through a different lens, a lens of hope that the world can be different through Christ Jesus. I think we need to start asking questions, questions of God, things like, Lord, how can I understand the story of the gospel in the context of my work? I go to work every day, and a lot of days just seem meaningless, and I'm just making money. How does the gospel change my work? That's a great question. That's a question I believe God will answer. What are the solutions to the problems that we're facing at work? How can I glorify you, God, at work by being the most excellent employee our company has? You see, we know biblically, from the biblical point of view, that you were created to work, that God wove that into your DNA, and so when you don't work, something goes wrong, or made to work. And your work is God's work. There's no separation between faith and work. They are fully integrated in the gospel. It's for you, it's for him, and it's for our community. I'm hoping this morning that you will open your eyes just a little bit to see how our story, our unique story of faith and hope makes all the difference in the world, in every aspect of the world, in sports, in in the military, in education, in medicine, in every aspect of life. Our story, the story of the gospel transforms this into a better world in a place where people have hope of a better life and of a relationship with God. Let's pray and let's offer our work to God. What a novel idea. Let's offer our work to God the work that you do. And maybe you think your work is insignificant. But if it's work that's done unto the Lord, nothing is wasted. God will use you and, and give you great satisfaction in the work that you do if you'll offer that work to him. So let's do it together in prayer. Father, this morning we offer our jobs, our career, the stuff that we do from day in and day out, we offer it to you. And Lord, we allow and we ask that the gospel would transform our story and our thinking and our filter. 
to see the world differently. As unique as it is in Christianity to see the hope. Just that one difference, God, makes so much that people are not the problem. And that you are always the answer. Help us, Lord. Change us. In Jesus' name, amen.